Thank you for listening to the Patrick Ely podcast. Always, it's not financial or medical advice. It's a work of fiction for entertainment purposes only. I just got home after being gone for a few days. I did a show in the Los Angeles area and then a show in San Diego. Woke up in San Diego today. Made it back up to Northern California for a show tonight. Just got home. All the shows went really well. I was happy with my performances. Mission accomplished. A whole bunch of interesting news happened while I was gone. And a couple are standing out to me. News stories. I listen to this guy Tim Poole quite often for news. He has a show that runs for somewhere around three hours every day. And he has a round table of co-hosts or guests. He actually has both who have all different kinds of views, like liberal, libertarian, Republican, independent, and they spend long periods of time talking about the events of the day to the point that they're truly able to be thorough in their discussion. It's not just sound bites. So you get a real understanding of a lot of events. And yesterday, they had a guest on by the name of Dave Smith. He's one of the leaders of the Libertarian Party, And I listen to Dave Smith's podcast. He puts two or three out every week religiously. He is another guy that discusses issues thoroughly. And he's kind of a savant. He reads a lot and must have some degree of photographic memory because he's able to quote stuff like verbatim, nonstop. And he really understands American history and its interplay with world history quite well. He's well more versed in history than almost anybody you ever hear in government or power, you know, when they're discussing the rationale for decisions that this country makes. Dave Smith is a Jew, and he's remained more or less neutral in this Israel-Palestine conflict. Instead, he's focused on individual incidents, individual situations, individual treaties, individual years in history, and broken down where both Israel and Palestine have been the bad guy. He's done his best to call a spade a spade. What I have taken from him in his covering of this current conflict in that part of the world is that he believes there is a good chance if the United States acts with the reckless abandonment that it quite often acts when it comes to war in the military-industrial complex, that it's only going to make things worse. It's only going to cause the conflict to continue on. And and this is a conflict that's gone on for thousands of years. And certain decisions that we might make could really destabilize this country, the United States. He's basically calling for people to not be warmongers on either side, asking the Jews to not continue calling for unwavering support and labeling anyone that questions different disputes and conflicts throughout the history of Israel as an anti-Semite. And he's also calling for people to read a book before they go out marching for Palestine and labeling the Jews Zionist murderers. So anyway, yesterday, Dave Smith goes on Tim Pool's show, and for about three hours, they have a intricate, nuanced, respectful conversation where they often disagree, but they talk through it. And... I would say that's largely because Tim Poole and his guys are way more pro-Israel than pro-neutrality in this situation. But the net-net of it was that it was a fantastic, enlightening uh, episode where I think anyone, even someone well-educated on the subject, could learn a lot. So today, 
Tim Pool has a guest on who is a big time conservative Christian guy. And within five minutes of his introduction, he's like, I'm glad Dave Smith's not on the show now. He's an idiot, uh, a pro Palestinian idiot. And this is an example of one of the concessions to freedom of speech. Idiots are allowed to speak into microphones, including myself. Maybe this guy knows Dave Smith's body of work. Maybe he doesn't. But in any episode of Dave Smith's work, he will show that he's much more learned than this fellow. I'm not going to name names. I only want to name the names of people who uh, don't deserve to just be shit on completely. But his viewpoint is also reflective of a lot of people in this country who can't speak with nuance and are on one side or the other. And any chance they get to have a sound bite or a meme or a single isolated fact to sling at the other side, they do it. And if you listened to the previous day's episode of Tim Pool's show, you would have learned something. And maybe you could have brought something to conversations. But if you listen to the episode the very next day, or at least the parts where this guy was speaking, it would have undone all of that learning and growing. Or say you hadn't listened to Dave Smith's episode, you would just be stupider for listening to today's episode. You might actually believe the guy because he spoke well. But beginning a political or a sociological or historical conversation with somebody who's an idiot kind of tells you that Whoever's saying that is the idiot. There are like 2 billion Muslims in this world. They're not all idiots. There are, I think, 75 or 15 million Jews. Clearly, not all idiots. These disagreements, these fun, fundamental disagreements concerning the dispute of Israel and Palestine are not because everyone is an idiot. Now, a lot of religious people will say, yeah, but I believe in a one true God and... So that means that everybody else believes in false idols and that qualifies them as being an idiot. But objectively speaking, we don't really know who the one true God is. So for the purpose of intelligent, mature adult conversation, that part should really be removed from the debate and discussion. The whole, which is the one true God thing. Like we get it, right? The Jews believe in their God and Muslims believe in their God. We, we get that. And that's not going to change. But the dynamics of the Gaza Strip and Israel and Palestine, those, those are going to change. And we're going to have to sort that out without the one true God appearing and telling everybody who's supposed to get what square footage. You've seen people on the left use that soundbite rationale for damning Donald Trump. They've taken soundbites to call him a Nazi. Meanwhile, we've got real Nazis in Ukraine. We've got real people like Hamas, trying to exterminate all Jews. Donald Trump's not a Nazi. And using that as fuel to hate someone or try to encourage people to hate people is ignorant. The same goes for Ilhan Omar on the left. Republicans are like, well, she's calling for a ceasefire and she doesn't want to give funding to Israel. So she's evil and she wants to murder all Jews. Uh, nah, she's a member of Congress. She has a vote and an opinion that's representative of a lot of folks. And she's not murdering people. She's voting and submitting bills. Now, I'm not saying either one of those folks are good people. I'm just saying that if you're going to prove that Donald Trump or Ilhan Omar is an evil person, you should have like some real well, well-researched 
thorough facts. And that's leading me to another piece of news that came out while I was on my little trip. The new House Speaker released the January 6th tapes. You're not seeing that covered on MSNBC and CNN. And the reason why is the reason that all the conspiracy theorists were saying, although if you zoom out and just, again, look objectively, it was pretty obvious. Otherwise, all of those tapes would have most certainly been released. It's not like we didn't see tapes of the planes hitting buildings on 9-11. They went and showed that because it was pretty foolproof. The January 6th tapes were released, and it shows people being fake arrested, brought into the Capitol by guards and police and FBI, being uncuffed and released and then led through the hallways. The law enforcement was fist bumping. They also released tape of Nancy Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi's daughter talking about how it was a hoax, talking about how they are friends with Gavin McKines, the guy that was a proud boy that they alleged was behind part of the January 6th riot. So they were all in on it. It was faked. It was a stunt. And to this day, you're hearing people who only want to hear information from the left saying that Donald Trump should be in prison for January 6th. But Donald Trump had no more to do with January 6th than Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats. It also came out that the Georgia voting machines were rigged. And Donald Trump is currently, uh, one of the lawsuits is saying that he was interfering with an election for trying to figure out what was going on with those voting machines. It begs the question, why didn't we, in a bipartisan manner, Democrats and Republicans, examine those voting machines and then we could just figure out what the truth was? That would be real simple. That wouldn't be corrupt. That wouldn't be manipulating people. The reason is, is it's pretty clear that both Republicans and Democrats are in the business of manipulating people. And I think it's a fallacy to believe wholeheartedly in any group or organization or party who is in the business of manipulating people. That's like running a whorehouse and then you get this notion that the whore you're dating is never going to cheat on you. Um, you're running a whorehouse. That's what she does. To think you're not going to be manipulated by your party affiliation is kind of silly. That doesn't mean you shouldn't vote for a party you like or a candidate you like, but it means that if you were trying to vote intelligently, you would try to gather information that was objective and neutral and vote based upon that or, you know, decide how you feel about an individual or a candidate or a group from the stuff that you could prove, not the rumors, not the allegations, and not the news clips and events and stories and propaganda that never gets thoroughly examined. Anyone reluctant to release the full January 6 tapes was having something to hide. It would make much more sense to just allow the truth to come out if people didn't have bad intentions. Speaking of the truth and bad intentions, Cassie, she's like a model. She was originally a singer in her late teens, discovered, I think discovered by Puff Daddy. She's suing Puff Daddy for rape, abuse, all sorts of stuff. Uh, apparently she was like beaten and raped and she would be abused in front of bodyguards who would do nothing. And I think she alleges that Puff Daddy like offered her sexually to other people Puff Daddy's lawyers came back with allegations that she was trying to blackmail him for $30 million with the threat of putting out a tell-all book. It's an interesting use of language. 
if something really bad had happened to me and I wanted some kind of payback for that, and let's say I had enough facts to write a book that proved that something bad happened to me, I might consider doing that. Do you know what else I'd consider? I'd consider all of the attention from the public that I would get going into the spotlight, having my dirty laundry aired out, feeling ashamed, feeling embarrassed, having people hate me. But if I could get the same money from the person that hurt me and keep it private, I don't know, say $30 million, I might go to them and say, hey, I'm going to write a book about what you did to me. And here's the breakdown of why I estimate it's worth $30 million. I would be willing to accept as an apology, even though there's nothing you can really do to ever make up for the abuse or the wrongdoing that you did towards me. But I would accept $30 million as an, I'm sorry. And that would be really nice of you because you would be saving me from all of the public scrutiny that will be involved when I put out my book proving what you did to me. I guess you could call that blackmail, but to me that just sounds like a reasonable offer. Puff Daddy's a weird one. I like a lot of Puff Daddy's music. like His actual music. I like a lot of his songs, like All About the Benjamins, All Around the World, Victory. I don't really care for that song. We ain't going nowhere, bad boy. Dun, 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 dun. I thought that song was kind of whack, but I like his music. I also, of course, like the music that he was behind as the producer of Puff Daddy, uh, pardon me, of the Notorious B.I.G., of The Locks, of 112. He's been a producer behind a lot of great music. It has, long been a, it has long been a mystery to me how Puff Daddy has managed to be so successful at every stage of the game. So Puff Daddy has been credited as a producer of a lot of music. Generally speaking, a producer is someone who makes the music and records the vocals. It's like Dr. Dre, for instance. Dr. Dre is responsible for a lot of those beats that have become so famous, whether they're his own or for Eminem or Snoop Dogg. He doesn't play all the instruments. Scott Storch is a guy that played a lot of the keys, uh, the piano, keyboards. He's had other live instrumentation artists. He has guys come in. Uh, ranging from Timberland to designer to Scott Storch, who come in and make part of the beats, and then he adds touches to it, engineers vocals, picks the right rapper, tells the rapper how to deliver his lines, helps them with lines. There are also a lot of beats that Dr. Dre made himself, primarily using a keyboard and a drum machine. And with keyboards, what a lot of producers do is they'll program different instruments, like a bass or drums, and then they play those instruments through the keys on the keyboard. He's done a lot of music that way. Puff Daddy doesn't play any instruments. Puff Daddy never made any beats. Most of the beats that were really popular were a group of real producers that went by the hit makers that he had at his company, that he had at Bad Boy. He doesn't write his own raps. People like Jadakiss and Styles P, I believe Jay-Z, have written for him. So he's lauded as the super producer, but he's never made any music. Somehow the guy that never made any music that has the name of Biggie Smalls and Notorious B.I.G. on it, got control of most of his estate and, and Notorious B.I.G.'s mother got some of it because Puff Daddy allowed that hush money. But I never understood how he became one of the most successful music producers of his era, never making any music. He then transitioned into becoming a, a billionaire via Ciroc Vodka. 
And I never quite understood that because there's only a certain group of people who I know that drink Ciroc and their loyalty is split between he and other rappers who have their own liquors. Jay-Z was Ace of Spades. Somebody, I think Jay-Z was Deleon as well. Ciroc never seemed to be something that could make Puff Daddy a billion dollars off of endorsement, for lack of a better word. I don't know that I ever saw a Ciroc commercial with Puff Daddy. I don't know that I ever saw a deep dive into him being responsible for the vodka blend. He just seemed like a spokesperson, and generally a spokesperson might get a couple hundred thousand dollars to a couple million dollars to promote a liquor, but he made a billion dollars. Puff Daddy throws these huge extravagant parties. Those parties cost a lot of money. They don't charge the guests to go. Even with his Ciroc and his royalties, I don't understand exactly how he's been afford, able to afford doing that and, and have homes on islands and on the East Coast and the West Coast and all over the world. So I understand a little bit about business expenses, but I also understand a little bit about cash flow. And, and it, um, even if he's writing all of it off, the funding doesn't really make sense. A month ago, police in Las Vegas arrested someone for the murder of Tupac, a guy who more or less made a mistake in an interview, so on record, and claimed that Puff Daddy had paid him a million dollars to murder Tupac. Tupac got killed a long time ago. I don't quite understand why Puff Daddy's never been taken into custody, just to make sure he's not financing murders. A lot of people have died around him this year. It's also been alleged that he's had all sorts of strange gay sex with people. And to be honest, Tupac or uh, Puff Daddy's always come off a little homosexual to me. It seems like Puff Daddy is either really blessed by God or the devil, or Puff Daddy has been helped by some very powerful people behind the scenes. He has done a great job of pushing culture that in large part has created a lot of violence a lot of frivolous spending, a lack of social advancement in impoverished neighborhoods. He's also famous for being a crook with music artists, signing them to terrible deals. There's never been somebody that was on Bad Boy that had good things to say about him. And there have been very few people who were on his record label, Bad Boy, that didn't end up with financial problems down the road. Mace, Black Rob, Loon, all of those people from his reality show, Making the Band, uh, Danity Kane. No one who has worked with Puff Daddy has anything good to say about him. And yet he continues to be massively successful for more or less doing nothing. It's kind of like how all these people in Congress who make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year end up after several terms in Congress with millions and millions of dollars in their account. Nobody seems to think anything of it. But sitting in a House or a Senate hearing a few times a week and then casting a yay or nay vote, it's kind of like you're doing nothing to be earning $100 million after five or six years. It's very strange. A lot of optics. Maybe it's the contrarian in me, but I feel like when you're thinking through a lot of more mundane news or happenings in this country, it's almost more useful to block out what people say in the sound bites and to look back at what they do because it's pretty easy on the internet 
to find records of what people have done. Have they done things that make them Nazis? Have they done things that make them Zionists? Have they done things that make them magical, musical artists? Or does it seem like they haven't really done anything for which they're getting the credit, good or bad? So I've got an addendum. The moment I finished this recording, checked the news, Puff Daddy settled with Cassie. He did it. He's a guilty fuck. What a loser, beating women. Who knows, maybe he'll settle for being a murderer too. But there you go. Creep. Walks like a duck. Quacks like a duck. It's a duck. 